The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We're live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl Quintanilla has the morning off this morning. We begin with the markets, of course, this morning. Futures, well, they lost ground, as you've watched over the last hour. If you've just been watching Squawk Box, global yields all over the place, mostly down, although the 10-year had been as low as, what, I think 1626. President Trump, by the way, also tweeting moments ago. Here's that quote, uh, because it is central to sort of the debate going on right now. Our problem is not China. We're stronger than ever. Money's pouring into the U.S. while China is losing companies by the thousands to other countries and their currencies under siege. Our problem is a Federal Reserve that is too proud to admit their mistake of acting too fast and tightening too much and that I was right. They must cut rates bigger and faster and stop their ridiculous quantitative tightening now, which gets us to the markets this morning, Jim. Uh, You know, we've been talking about negative rates. They've only continued to worsen. It's a strange phenomenon, to be sure, but it is also a worrisome cycle, people believe, because you have negative rates that augur for weaker economic growth or a lack of growth. You have what are, I mean, it becomes self-reinforcing. You have a global coordinated monetary easing going on right now. And you have the first time people talking about the possibility of rates here falling dramatically from where they are right now. Have you ever seen a tenure that was whipsawed as much in yield in a half-hour period as we did this morning? It's almost as if uh, someone wants to get ahead, a trader, of even lower yields, buys bonds. There is a big short position in bonds. There also are just natural currency flows. Why would you ever be in these negative yield environments? Think to begin to realize that negative yield environments aren't going away. Instead, there's more and more. They aren't so going we away, are, and they're really hard to get out of. Yes, they are. That's what I wonder. You have to buy dollars. Escape. Well, I'm, and if you're the Fed, you well, certainly don't want to get there, right? So what do you do to avoid it? One would think that actually you probably follow the president's advice. You got to cut. You got to create well, more demand. I don't think that's so wrong. I mean, look, we're stuck in a quarter point situation. Now it looks like the people say it's 50. Is this, is this a race to the bottom? There's no race. First, we got to dial it back. Okay. It is very easy to take our cue from something that may be a false cue. If you look at the S&P 500 as an aggregate and macro, I think you're being faked out. If you look at the, at the components, who can do better, who can do worse, I think a 3% yielder just got far more attractive than it was. I've been concentrated on accidental yields that were 4 and 
Uh, we have to figure out, let's use ATT, because you and I both look at AT&T. Yes, we do. Okay, so what is ATT? Enormous debt load, by the way, which well, conceivably they, they could start to refinance at lower rates. But okay. yeah. Amen. Yes, not conceivable. Will. And their mix of business is not necessarily uh, hurt by what's going on no, around it's, the world. It's, it's so not. they can refinance. Uh, they can do what CVS is doing. Look at CVS also took too much debt down, but they are they had a good quarter and they're buying back debt. Uh, I think that we are being short-sighted. I think that you have to look at our economy as a D.R. Horton economy, as a Lenar economy. We are uh, mortgages, housing punches above its weight. Housing is to do far, do far better because now they can't hide it. The mortgage rates have to go up. We're seeing our banks under pressure as if they are all going to be suddenly dealing with bad loans. Uh, but if you look at their mosaic of loans, there isn't anybody who is in any situation that's going to default that, wa- that wasn't. So, David, flow of funds can signal the wrong thing when it comes to our country. Maybe not Germany, because Germany's, Germany's really completely caught up in how slow the Chinese economy is. Now, I know that we have Look, tape. look at those, look at those numbers. It's the look Chinese economy going down. Ten-year boom, you give your money to the German government for ten years, you get... You get 94 cents well, back. You, you look, you, that's on the way every it was. dollar you lend them. Who does that? Well, people do that when they have too much money. They have nowhere to put it. And you got to have somewhere. To, and they don't want to put it in the equity okay, markets, so obviously, or they don't want to invest necessarily because they. And that's how it becomes self-reinforcing. Why What's it Merkel, Why wouldn't Merkel do a hundred billion euro offering in order to get her economy moving? Why? Because they fear Weimar. Weimar, where there were wheelbarrows, they fear the Deutschmark. Look, they, there there's no other no reason. inflation. That's why our president continues to well, be on his mantra of cut, cut, cut. Uh, uh, look, I, I think our rates are too high, but you can't just... Well, there is not that much inflation, let's say. Right. If you're looking at inflation, our rates are too high. If you're looking about the economy, Larry Kudlow was very accurate, gave you a very accurate depiction. I was on the phone to... The large yeah. retailers yesterday. Some ways, although large he made retailers. some comments that were bizarre. Well, you and like, he butted so Like 20 years ago, China was in a better position than it is now. I mean, well, what? in 1949, China was better. <laughs> I mean, we can go back. Yeah. But I, I think we have to look at the reality of the companies that are reporting. Because remember, look, I am, I am in the end a dollar sign represented by a man. Understood. I look at stocks. Yes. I don't look at macro. Why do I look at macro? Because I talk to the largest retailers in the country. Business is quite good. Okay. There will be a bit of a lift after the September 1 tariffs. Will it hurt? So far, the major retailers have been able to suppress We are a consumer economy, and that's certainly a great right. thing for us you know, as opposed remember, to other countries nobody that else rely is. so much on exports such and as China they, and, of course, China. China ruined, well, Korea, too, but, but, ruined a lot of our export confidence can't be particularly good if you are a multinational corporation right now. If you're, you're ratcheting up of tensions, this is where this all began this week, of course, is with the ratcheting up of tension between our country and China this morning. Some news service reporting the Chinese are telling us to not meddle in Hong Kong. Nothing's getting better on that front. No, if you're if you made your bed in China, and it has you a depressing effect on economic growth, doesn't Again, it? Again, not disagreeing, not disagreeing. I just look at. I am stuck within the four walls, the canvas of the S and P 500, and a, not the S P 500 is no longer Emerson, which was indeed hurt. Yes, it's no longer 3M, which has had many other issues besides that. Uh, no longer GE. Right. Uh, United Technologies actually a pretty good China number, so it's not even just all around bad. And David, the linchpin is a company that can't sell because of a particular engineering issue. Huawei. Huawei. Yeah. Boeing and Huawei. Boeing is us. Huawei is them. Think um, about it. These are the two. If you would ask what the Titanic, so encrypted of this, of this moment, 
Huawei on the one hand, because if, unless we fade and fold on Huawei and Boeing, because it's the biggest generator of GDP out there as a chunk. Right. So, you I mean, want to hear what Cutlow had to say yesterday? Why not? I listen to it Always again. Want to listen. It was positive on the, uh, of course, it was also about how China's being hurt more than we are in terms of the back and forth. Take a listen. I think China's getting hurt significantly, much more than we are, as I said before. So, okay, if they want to wait, maybe so, but the Chinese economy um, is crumbling. It's just not the powerhouse it was 20 years ago. Everybody knows that. And as I said before, you know, supply chains are moving out. The demand for their goods is, uh, is moving to other places. Later in the day, uh, former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers had a strong rebuttal to, his, uh, to Kudlow's uh, beliefs. What Larry Kudlow just said when he asserted that China was not nearly the economic power that it was 20 years ago may be the most ludicrous economic statement I've ever heard a public official make. China's uh, economy is approximately seven times as large as it was 20 years ago. We made the same point, and it may have been that Larry somehow misspoke on that, because I I think he's aware of that. You know what? All great, all China concern, you, dollar sign, Stock market man. I'm stuck. Okay, so me I'm... trying still to understand negative interest rates. Right. Well, me. It's trying like to the be... universe expanding. I still can't get my head around why you'd want to do it. Okay, I'm, J- I'm James Quincy, the CEO of a great American company, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola that is Correct. Two hundred and twenty. Even though you're not companies. actually a U.S. citizen, but that's right. okay. Right. And in the U.K. I had. I just had a great quarter. Will people drink less Coca-Cola because of this? No. Does it yield three percent? Yes. Does it have a fabulous balance sheet? Yes. Buy. Okay. What's the flaw Done. in that? What's the flaw in that? Is that up to the president? Is that Merkel? Well, and that is, is that, that just she? Gets, it just gets it just gets flowed away with everything else. All right, then Merkel. Concern about this move, appreciable move down in yields here, well, we and what be, that means for global growth. We can be scared or not. We, we we can be scared or not what scared. Do Which you should we choose? Do if you are Jerome Powell, your 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 buddy Jerome, Powell. what do you do right now? You got the president tweeting at you. You've got negative rates, fifteen billion do- trillion. $15 trillion worth of negative-yielding secure, uh, uh, country securities out there. Yes, to adopt the value, uh, not the values, because I disagree with that. I don't agree with the values of this man, but he has to be a little more like Henry Ford. Never complain, never explain. He should be as quiet as possible. Talking too much. Well, there's, no, there's nothing to be gained. What, are you going to like tweet back at the president? No, you're not going to tweet back at the president. Look, it's just, I think that the president's making him. Do you need to cut more? Do you need to cut more in order to to get, make sure you're not in that self-reinforcing cycle that that Europe and Japan seem to be? We have have deflation that could have cut more. But if you want to force the Fed's hand, I say, look, you're just playing the panic game. I'm trying to dial things back here. I know that the treasuries are making it so you're supposed to sell city because the XLF is something that the algos say sell when you have radical moves in treasuries. Then I look at city and I say Michael Corbett's going to buy back every single share he can because it's additive to earnings. He can probably buy back 10 percent. I will be selling city because of a move, even though it has tremendous recurring revenue. I'll be selling city because there's Goldman Sachs. Let's switch there. Who does the best? 
in trading, when you have wild moves, you currency should, you should right. expect and, to and come, meanwhile, sixty uh, percent of their revenue could be recurring. Yes. If this economy well, were Apple, the days then of I'd be worried. Capturing enormous profits right. they, and they kind of currency and commodities that. have seemingly passed. There's, they're in the credit card business. Yes. They're. But, okay, you take Apple. Apple was at 197, by 198 before this happened. Right. And now it's going to be at 194. I demand to know what happened to Apple, the company. I know what's happening to Apple, the stock. It's, be, it's got the downward pull of the S&P. David, I'd love yeah, to be hysterical. It also has 13% of its revenues tied to mainland China. And no, 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 I'm saying Apple's, Apple's the true battleground. That's okay. the one that I'm saying of, okay. of FANG. Right. That's the one that has the most earnings risk. Yes. But, David, if you told me, let's forget about the precipitous, uh, uh, the velocity in the move. If you are Stuart Miller, well, if you're at Lenar, if you're at uh, KB Homes, you're sitting there saying, you know what? People are going to come off the sidelines and buy starter homes. And then the retailers, which, uh, which are very much aligned with housing, do well. We Maybe. are our own Diana Olick, our housing expert, right. uh, just emails to say, well, mortgage purchase applications have been tanking as rates drop. Tanking. Why? Because people are concerned about consumer the economy. Confidence. Consumer yeah. confidence. But, David, unless we see a dramatic decline in employment, you will not have... Uh, a concomitant decline in purchasing power. This is about purchasing power. See, now the president, if he could be a little more granular and less more about power, what? Wait, be about housing being great, well, retail got, being great. Really I think he's got this down and like he knows where he's taking us with, yes. this, with this trade war. Oh, with, with this trade war. No, I'm and saying what the he, impact is really going to be. I think he should recognize that the economy is strong and therefore Jay is a little, ham- Jay Powell is a little hamstrung. Because we have unbelievable unemployment, best since 1969. But if you remember, 69 was guns and butter Vietnam. Uh, and then against that, we have Larry Summers calling the, you know, something that Larry says to be the greatest blunder of yeah, a it was person. Odd. In, it was an odd choice of words by Mr. Cudlow yeah, But that's, a, but that's way, again, ratchet it back. Ratchet the, temp, ratchet the temperature back. We should not be. There will be selling of Procter & Gamble this morning because of the S&P. Right. But what is Procter well, Gamble selling of it because of that craziness going on in the bond markets around the world? But is, are people going to use less Prill? Say again. I mean, Gillette is going to do OK in this environment. A unit and, of Pro- Procter and Gamble. Well, look, I, again, I am stuck within the four. I am hide bound. I have to look right, at the so companies that are put part together of Because I'm trying to figure out what to buy. A group of stocks for Mad Money tonight, I can see it, that have decent dividend yields that are not going to be impacted by the concerns of global trade. Since 3.30 a.m., I right. have been working, working on trying to come up with a list of stocks that have decent, that have and good yields. And then tomorrow we'll have a nice new acronym. It'll be something new. Yeah, I'm working on an acronym, too. Yeah. On like and then they'll start an Walmart. ETF after your acronym. And well, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to help people make money. I'm not trying to help them lose money. Ratchet it back. Look, you got the Dow down 307 points. You tell me, ATT. David, ATT, let's go over ATT. Let's Point use paradigms. 6% yield, yeah. does better in a low-rate environment. Quarter wasn't that horrible. True. What am I supposed to do? David, you interviewed the CEO of Verizon. Yes, How daily are they hitting by trade flows? You get that at 4.6 yield? You th- I'll take 4.6 all day. That's what people have to do. We have people who buy stocks and sell stocks. We can choose to be a macro Fed network. I don't know. Binary. Let's go home. I'm going to take my mic off. I'll go home. I got things to do at home. My wife's busy all day. She's at that restaurant. Well, back to China for a moment. We did hear from Ray Dalio earlier. Bridgewater, of course, one of the largest hedge funds extant. Uh, Here's what he had to say about the. 
believe China. that the uh, China is a competitor of the United States or Chinese businesses will be competitors of American businesses and other businesses around the world and that you're going to therefore um, you want to be if you're diversified um, having bets on both horses in the race quite sure what that means, but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I want to bet on both horses in the race. That, actually, that brings me to Alibaba. I guess you want to bet on them, although they're going to potentially issue an, have an enormous issue in Hong Kong. Remember, they're issuance, yes, was not it, an issue, an issuance Kind of like the of, B, of stock. B shares. Yes. Yeah. God, can you still do that in the, in the current environment if you're Alibaba? I don't know the answer, by the way. Unfortunately, I haven't heard from them. Command honestly. economy. Remember those terms of command economy? Command economy over there. They can kind of do what they want. How's those non-state-owned enterprises doing? How about a story in the New York Times today about how they're using IOUs? The New York Times. Yes. Which, by the way, had a pretty good quarter. The failing New York Times. You know, you look at that. Why isn't that in the conversation? Why is that abstract? Now, Ray Dalio will stick with that view until the facts change. And the facts change, yes, like John Maynard Keynes, he will change, too. So, therefore, those who are basing their thinking when some billionaire who says something makes me suspect. Think yourself. Think of yourself. Now, David, here's something that happens even with interests like this. We have to tease a commercial. Yes, we do. Even under these these frightening circumstances, we have to go do commerce. They're not, they're not particularly frightening, of course, uh, at this point, but they are fascinating. Should I go home? Still, I, I don't talk negative back. rates in myself. I just got to spend a lot of quiet time thinking about that. All right. When we come back, though, we're going to be all over these moves in the market. Give another look at futures, of course. Uh, we're about 15 minutes before we get started with trading here at the NYSE. We are going to have a down open this morning, but we've got a lot more program for you coming up after this. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. We are keeping a close eye on the broader markets, of course. Let's get over to Bob Pisani. He's on the floor with more on that. Bob. And, uh, David, uh, sometimes it's rather difficult to, uh, to point out a clear causal connection in the stock market between the stock market and other events. But there was a pretty clear one this morning, and it was uh, interest rates. Around 8 a.m., we saw a sudden whoosh downward in bond yields. And if you take a look here... You essentially went from 165 to 163 or so in a matter of minutes. That's a very big drop. We literally were watching it physically. And that seemed to be a bit of a breaking point for the stock market. As you saw, this is the S&P futures move to the downside. So very clear causal connections. We had some normal things happen when this happens, when the yields drop. Bank stocks, for example, which trade minimally pre-open. Bank of America has pretty good share trading. All drop. This is pre-open numbers that we're seeing for bank stocks right now. Uh, I should point out that while this is a notable decline, the bank stocks have been having this problem with low yields for years and years. If you look at the KBE, we often say... The S&P's gone nowhere for 18 months, but the KB index, look, this is 2016. We've gone essentially nowhere in the bank index for almost three years now. So this is not a new problem. Banks have been dealing with with a long time. The other issue, of course, is somewhat flattish loan growth, around 2%, but that's a separate issue. The other thing I want to point out is the commodities and what they've been saying, because for the last several days, the commodity market has been notably weak. And if you take a look at uh, oil, for example, or uh, take a look at uh, iron ore, 
Uh, oh, here's some of these names that are in the red here. Marathon Oil, Devon Energy, Apache. These are pre-open numbers. We have been noting how uh, most of these names are sitting at multi-year lows, particularly the small cap oil stocks, uh, as a sign of oversupply in the oil market. To the extent oil is a proxy for global growth, that's also an issue. Just want to point out commodities in August and see what's going on here. Iron ore down 18%, crude oil's down 5%. This is just in the last couple of days that we've seen to the downside. Uh, and we've also seen some other issues uh, with uh, energy overall. So if you had to point out what's going on here, I would say the Fed easing has started another global easing cycle. That's an issue for the markets. And trade tensions are clearly exacerbating global growth problems and earnings projections as well. Next half hour, I'll talk a little bit more about how analysts are having a very, very tough time now with second half and 2020 earnings projections. Those numbers are starting to change. I'll show you some, some projections on that in the next few minutes. Guys, back to you. All right, Bob, thanks. Yeah, you nailed it there, of course. Global coordinated monetary easing and those negative rates. Well, don't you think that the possibility that there could be a pickup in the economy as rates go down is, do you think that's fatuous since it's always been the case? Always. Right. There's never been a case where rates went down that it wasn't good. But what you need, though, is someone like, uh, all right, I'm going to use a name. See if you had Jamie Dimon come out, because he's a man of great authority, whether we Yes, hate him or yes, like him, yes. saying, look, you know, we've got great recurring revenue streams, we've got good lending going on, there's good lending in the system, and there's good employment. Now, am I being a Pollyanna? No, I'm just stuck with the data, okay? I could easily go macro on you and say, David, this is the, I haven't seen this since 1929. I haven't seen this since 1937. I haven't seen this since 1941. Is that helpful? I don't regard any of those analogs as helpful. Right. You have to come out and you say, what happens with lower rates in our country? Now, what happens with these other countries? Frankly, Germany needs to go buy cars because they can't sell them in China. China slowing the economy. Well, China's economy is slowing. I think they regret the moving into negative rate territory overall. I mean, what's the ECB? What, how do you get out of it? Well, first you solve the U.K., for heaven's sake. Well, that's potentially going to be more of an issue rather than less. Yes, but when I'm over in Italy where I have a house and speak to industrials because that's kind of what I do, they're all so fearful of Brexit that it's kind of like they're in another world. And their capital goods for Italy and cause a recession. Well, their capital goods for Italy and Germany, and Germany does a lot of export capital goods, are going to slow because of what's happening in China. And that's not unacknowledged. China's narrative is our economies are slowing. It doesn't matter. We are pain takers. That's their narrative. Not our economies growing. But you know, look, if you sell the Dow, I need to know what stock in the Dow deserves to be down that percentage, other than the one you're going to talk about. Disney. Yeah, let's, let's talk about Disney. Uh, the shares are under pressure this morning. This after the company, of course, missed the top and bottom line estimates of the analysts who follow it, blaming costs related to the creation of its new streaming service, although not unexpected. But she did also have the integration of Fox's entertainment assets. Of course, that was a $71 billion purchase. It took quite some time to close. The company also announced it will bundle its new Disney Plus streaming service with the ad-supported Hulu service and ESPN Plus. The price there, about $12.99, not about, $12.99 a month. That's a 30% discount. CEO Bob Iger addressed cord cutting in an exclusive interview with our Julia Borst. Are we concerned about cord cutting? Yes, that's been an important business for us. But it's the reason why we're going into this other space, why we're pivoting strategically to give us an opportunity not only contend with the transformation that's going on in the traditional space, but to, um, to thrive and 
basically completely different marketplace, under different marketplace condition. Julie will join us in the next hour with more from that interview. Of course, going into the quarter, I had heard from other investors. The concern was, well, maybe things on the court-cutting front, a la then ESPN in terms of subs, worsen. That was not the problem. No, here. it was a little opaque. The, the problem was that, things but. like the Fox studio, which in the conference call, Mr. Iger said, suffered from the long period of 2017, December 2017. Until they closed it. Like, who was there? The lack of decision-making. Right. So the Fox studio also not as well attended as they had thought for the Star Wars Right, but it did uh, seem like it was kind of like Yogi Berra. Yeah, I It's know. so crowded that nobody goes exactly. there. Exactly, that people stayed away because they were worried it was going to be too crowded. They also did raise price. They only had yes. one attraction open. They're going to open the second one fairly soon. Also, hotel prices had gone up in anticipation. Right. He noted a lot of things, but it didn't come in where they had anticipated. But the but, revenue number, though, Jim, was a substantial miss from what analysts oh, had been Oh, no, for. I... Uh, I was actually, um, uh, frankly, I, I, I was surprised. I know that at the beginning of the call, Iger mentioned that it's going to be very difficult to explain. Uh, was it his finest hour in terms of explanation? There were many moving parts that were not the numbers I wanted uh, versus what we thought, David, which is we thought this is a hit machine. That was going to be the storyline. 38 weekends out of 52. Well, it is a hit machine at the Disney Studios. But, Unbelievable. But he didn't stress hit machine. He only just did four as billion-dollar franchises. I think, when I say it wasn't his finest hour, he did very little talking. And I think that this was a, we needed we needed our hands held through this quarter. I suppose. But, you know, what? the one thing I will say is it doesn't derail the overall story of this is an evolving direct-to-consumer company. This is by far the most important single thing they're doing. Uh, And they're obviously investing a great deal for it. Not unexpected in terms of the numbers, I don't think, for the most part. Um, You did have a lot of hedge funds who waded into this thing over the last few months, certainly during and after the big meeting in April uh, when they rolled out their direct-to-consumer strategy because it became sort of a disruptor position, so to speak, that could replace the likes of a Netflix or a a Google right, for right, them. Right. Um, but, Jim, it doesn't derail the overall story, which no, is look. we're rolling out what is going to be an enormously potentially prof, uh, popular service at $6.99, right. a price point $12.99 for bundle. $12.99 for this bundle of these services. And we're going to crush it when we, when we hit that. What it all costs is a key question, and how the other businesses perform while that is being rolled out is also. Right, and this was a bridge quarter. Uh, now, it wasn't the bridge over the river. Why, for heaven's sake? I was thinking about the twelve ninety nine all night about how many people are going to sell. The different, they have 300 different yes. pieces of entertainment you know, versus Netflix. 4. Million subs, but yes. Right, so this is not a consequential quarter is what I'm saying. I am believing, I'm taking a face value of the problems of Fox. Seems reasonable. December 2017. It does. It does. Um, that you, it was you had a good me. amount of time that went by where there were not enough decisions being right. made so that your slate was not in the shape it should have been. But the granularity of what he was saying in terms of the theme parks and what was up and what was down, that was hard for me to understand, in part because I, I had to do it on the fly. It had not been telegraphed. We did not think that that was the case. So that is important to me. It was not a great quarter. But, there, but you th- if you think t- Disney Plus is going to do well, you wait into the stock two days from now. No right. one's going to downgrade it knowing that 1299 is coming. No. Just the reef, uh, uh, new name. And they're it's not, not, it's not mean, going to downgrade it. She, I, I care about that. Right. I mean, until you start to see or until there's really questioning of the ability of that service to garner as many subs as people anticipate, you're not going to see 
this stock abandoned mm, but and I, by I, all of its supporters. I wish I had been getting but got it wasn't to Bob. A great I wish I had gotten to Bob. I would have said, look, stress your the Disney and then the new Disney. Uh, try to put the uh, the not great attendance number into a better context, which is that how about saying it was softer? Yeah. How about just saying it was softer? Why why wouldn't you use that characterization? If we were talking about semiconductors. Now, I know he's going to say, listen, Jim, it's people, confidence, gasoline, all these things. But it was, it, it was okay to have said it was softer than we'd like. I think that would have been a terrific non-mea culpa that would have made us say, and know what? It's going to get better. All right. Quick pivot here, Jim. It's Bob as we, Iger. As we, we uh, does he not get the benefit of the doubt? He always does. Well, I'm giving him the benefit. Well, and you and God, everybody I'm such else. A poly. I'm so positive. Yes, I know. I want to be negative. I got to oh, positive. Right. You don't have to be negative. All right. Happy, we got 30 thoughts. seconds. We get an opening bell. What's going to be the key this morning? What should we be watching most closely? What? I, of course, continue to think it's, it's those crazy negative yields all over uh, the world. Okay, you want to index do JP Morgan? I know you hate macro, though. You don't uh, like no, macro. No, I don't hate macro. I'm stuck with micro. I did really well at both macro and micro in college, if that matters. There you go. It's all about brains. All right, here's the opening bell for this morning before it starts. Back at our headquarters. We're going to open the lower this morning. We've already seen that. Google Point Income Company, that's a closed-end management investment company, celebrating its listing. Or with the NASDAQ, Radius Health, and Biopharma. Focused on therapeutics in the areas of osteoporosis. They've done some great work with women's health. And oncology. Fabulous, well, fabulous work with women's health. I like them. I, I don't necessarily like, like the stock, but I do like their portfolio. Uh, David, we, we haven't talked Novartis yet. Say again, we haven't talked what? Novartis. No. Oh, I, I saw I, that. Now, there are people who are telling me this is just, this is a, what is basically a, a, some data in, uh, inaccuracies. And I personally think that this, I'm not saying it's much to do about nothing, okay? But I do think that, that uh, Vas Narasimhan is a terrific executive. He's going to get his arms around this. And those who think that this is going to sink his regime are wrong. If that stock goes down today, I think you buy it. Novartis, right. Well, because Novartis You're talking is a about the FDA saying that they did not get that they got inaccurate data. However, it doesn't affect the actual drug that they approved. Okay, that's, and that's why this stock is now down. Which was an incredibly high price right. point for this thankfully very rare disease. But right. This stock is down $7 horrible. from its high, but it was the best quarter of the pharma group. And Novartis was, key. right. That's you why I'm keen like on it. Yes, I still like it. David, how could Apple, um, how we, could Apple not be down more if the world is... If, no, um, maybe the president knows because he's talking. Country, he's no, been talking about I China. I don't. Do we have the tape now? Or um, all right. Well, let me tell you a couple of things that he had to say. Uh, he said somebody had to do this to China. China was like an anchor. Uh, said the market will go higher again. He believes they manipulated their currency. Reiterated this idea that companies are moving out. Uh, I don't know what that means when he says that, by well, the you know, way. A lot of this is just and, the bottlenecks of Vietnam. Something about South Korea and I've made a deal where they've agreed to pay forward. more. We'll get the sound here for you, let you listen I see to it. Sometimes so many it's hard stocks. to take these in full context. You know, look, I, I am stuck again. I mean, look, Match.com and IC Interactive are not necessarily the economy. Take two is not necessarily the economy. Uh, but they are what I am looking at, right? Tyson Foods is not necessarily the economy. Zoetis is not necessarily the economy. But, David, that's the latest scorecard. And Disney did not deliver. We should not let that completely color our thinking. It, is it frightening? I mean, there are people in my Twitter followers saying, Jim, you, you better get more scared. Well, in 1998, on October 8th, 
I was very scared between 9 and 12 until Karen Kramer came in and said, let's buy a billion dollars worth of stock. Was that before the Fed cut 50 And then at 2 o'clock, they, yeah. And she made me go get French fries and a Diet Coke and a pretzel. And after I came back, she put every penny to work and then doubled it because everyone was fearful except for her. Except that there are people who are fearful now that if you do get a significant cut from the Fed in order to try to get ahead of this cycle of negative rates that many of our trading partners are dealing with, Germany and Japan right. certainly being key amongst them, uh, that what are you doing there? You're saying the economy is weaker than people think because well, it's not actually weak. No, it's not. You been, don't have inflation. Okay. I, I, you know, Jay Powell's, got a, Jay Powell's got a tough... He's got a oh, tough no thing kidding. to figure out, He is out, such man. a nice guy. And I don't mean that in the usual you're not, flip, negative not usual, nonsense that I do. No, okay. this was not the passive-aggressive. just actually a nice the, guy. My passive-aggressive way that everybody right. hates is part of my life. This is what the president should do, okay? You call Merkel. You say, look, I, see, he's reluctant to do this because Merkel has not been his partner. But you call Merkel and you say, isn't it time, Macron, I don't know, UK, whoever's one, Bo, Bo, and you say, guys... You know that China's manipulators stand together with us, and China has to change its ways. David. Da- uh, Jim, that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. No, no, David, it's actually on the verge. That was called verge. It's on the verge of happening, David. No, it's on the verge. No, it's on the verge of happening. What's on the verge of happening? What I just said. No, it's not. No, it is. Really? Yes. We're going to have suddenly have this coordinated action. We've been talking about tariffing BMWs. No, it's going to kind of happen. Yeah, there might be a, something works with the tariffs in Europe, and it may may shock us. But it's, well, there that is would be, a, that would be seen as a positive. An, they want to, to do happen, an encirclement. Right? Administration would like to do an encirclement, trying to figure out once, how to get the intransigent Germans. Once again, wasn't that called the Trans-Pacific Partnership? Uh, well, but there were many. Uh, let's just say, people who were reluctant to stand up to the Chinese because they felt that if they were selling Volkswagen, suddenly uh, Fiat would move in. The Chinese are tough. They're tough negotiators. But, David, I know the Dow's down 400. I'm, I'm going to try. Let me get scared about something. Let me think. Besides Disney. Could you help me get scared? J.P. Morgan? Uh, the banks are, uh, are, are down. Goldman. Best balance over, sheet they've had in years roughly, of doing the credit card. I, I'm going to be frightened well, The there. banks are down 3%, of course, with rates right. collapsing. That's not particularly the helpful. Transports are collapsing. Margins. Transports are collapsing. Oh, well, you've, got oil, you've got oil down as well. Oil so. is... Uh, Oil, I'm going to explain why oil is Let's spend a minute on oil because that is reflecting, of course, fears of the global slowdown. Right. Okay, so people think of supply. It was above 60 not very couple of weeks ago. There's the supply camp that there's too much supply. Yeah. And then there's demand camp. The demand camp is winning right now, saying there's not enough demand. The crucial issue, thank you for uh, Rusty Brazil for this, is that in the last, last few months, we've had an amazing amount of Marcellus natural gas come to the market. We are now finishing pipe to have natural gas come to Permian. What happens when you can siphon off natural gas? You can drill much more. You can't right now because you'll be flaring, and we actually do have uh, oil companies that are not allowed to flare. Once you get rid of natural gas, which they are going to do in ship, we're going to drill like mad. And that's why we're going to add 5 million barrels. 5 million barrels. You're going to go 17 million barrels in the next three years. The numbers that you throw out are just Scott crazy. Sheffield, 17 Scott Sheffield, million okay. barrels a day when we were, produced by the United States. It was a, there was a time I, when 10 million was okay. So when we were at five, day. when we were at six, Scott Sheffield, I would say the greatest oil person of our time, pioneer, PXD, came on man buddy and said we're going to double. I said when? Within 10 years. Okay, we doubled, but before 10 years, he came on not that. How about you like that? 
Everyone thought that there was no way. He said a double. I remember I said I needed him to repeat it. Well, now he says we're going to have another five million. I'm quoting him, okay. not me. With crude oil WTI now at 51.81, yes. down about 3.3%. Okay. You can't own any oils because millennials, millennial money managers believe that fossil fuels are the next coal. Well, and there are younger people who now manage money. By the way, that's a very interesting point, one that we probably should spend more time on on a different day. But the, the power of ESG, how important that's going to be. At some point, are we was, going to see a major global oil company adopt more of an ESG carbon capture kind of approach my 25 year old enhance its right. brand with millennials yes my 25 year old said dad why don't you talk about all the b corporations i said well there's like there's like almost nothing that's public i said i'll focus on bp which has a 6.6 percent yield covered easily by cash flow drill a lot the great growth international uh, oil and david you can't you cannot give this away 6.6 percent yield and safe what's the matter what are you doing? I'm looking at I'm looking at Twitter, just trying you're to stay at the, on top. You're looking of stuff. at the doggest. I'm listening to you. Don't worry, I always listen to you. Out of well, this, I appreciate year. that. I got something in it too, but I still I've got listen. something for that. Um, look, we're going to see stocks test the bottom. That's what they're doing. Yes. Then we're going to look for companies whose stocks are actually starting to rally, and then we're going to say, well, wait a second, are we going to have even lower yields tomorrow? Perhaps. Yes, but we're not seeing the uh, we're not seeing. The Michael Corbett's of the world not buying back their stock. No. And I there think is certainly, there, at stock. the point we made earlier, there is a potential positive here. You, significant companies with significant debt loads, conceivably, if the capital markets are open to them, will be able to refinance at even lower rates. And we do Although have. paying high interest rates has not been a problem for any company because that has not been the case for a very, very long time. Right. I mean, it does. we've had 11 years now of being near ZERP. Yeah. I mean, 11 years. It's bad. 10, a decade. My or father more came back for the war. He of one, savers, of he people who conceivably were saving money and have not been rewarded for having done so, getting what? 2% if they're okay. lucky. So, what you should Remember do. Remember that 3% CD uh, deal that was around that for like that, a few weeks, about yeah, six that, months that, ago? Uh, the people of Vanguard had a 3.1. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's deal with reality. What happens to growth companies, super hyper growth companies in this environment? They're able to transcend slower economies. So I'll pick one doesn't have a lot of volume at right now, probably don't know, but it's a company that is like a lot of the others I follow, HubSpot. A remarkable quarter. HubSpot? Yeah, it's cloud-based marketing. Okay, thank you. They reported last night an unbelievably great quarter, and that stock is up 10, it'll matter. Okay. David, you know CVS is one of the top 10 companies in sales in this country? Yes. Well, David, look at that. It's up two and a half dollars. Why? Because they beat the same store sales numbers. And they actually managed to get close to the $7 number that Merlot's been talking about. So we got a stock. Larry Merlot, of course, is the CEO. Eight times earnings. The deal had not been well rewarded at this point, at least, and perhaps not well understood by their investor base to some extent. Very true. You used to refer to him as a fine Merlot. Did he become sort of less fine? And is he on his way back to aging, back towards fine? No, I switched to the sulfate-free Cabernet Sauvignon from Sonoma. Okay. Uh, Not as good, but I feel like it's a millennial uh, cab. 3.5% yield. CBS, yes. debt, Debt. being uh, whittled down. They could probably refinance. Uh, eight times earnings. I guess because of China, I should sell that and even short it, right? I mean, I got C- people on my Twitter files. C- you don't understand is how horrible the, things are right now. One of the few uh, large companies, of course, that is having a good day. It is. Well, a, but David, it's early. Would you give me that it's early? You're not showing them to you it's right now. So I make sure. it's, it's 940. It's 940. It's early. It's not etched in stone. Don't buy oils, please. 
Can Don't we come back to the 10-year yield? I just want to take a quick look at it and negative interest rates again because... I, I know you. I know you don't want me to go macro on you. I no, know, it's fine. I got. There's 40 people go macro. I'll stick with the stocks. I, I just still, still come back to the move that we saw earlier today. That Steve Leesman talked a great deal about. Bob Bassani referenced it. There we are again. One six two five, Jim. Okay, so you're Sachin Nadella. Look at the look. So you, six two three. Can look I where deal we with? Were. We were you, two and a half. But, but look I, again. Dial it back. You're Sachin Nadella. Okay, he's the CEO of a trillion-dollar company. Trillion-dollar company. He can borrow money to buy back stock if he wants. He can buy back stock. He can sit there and print money. Azure's doing great. There's no Azure exposure to China. Uh, Why do I sell? Tell me the bear case on Microsoft right here. Give me the bear case. The Uh, tenure? No, the bear case is global softening. It's a multinational company that relies on a lot of markets. The quarter you will was, not have business investment to the extent the, you did. The quarter and, was, and things will slow. The quarter's That's important. the bear case. The I was important two weeks ago. I know. Azure's had, knocking it out of the park. Yeah, Sachin well, Nadella is tremendous hero. momentum. How about Kinian? How about Google? The Alphabet. Now, I know somebody, they found some All black agree. hole that I read and the stock's down $8. I mean, I again... David, if you watch stocks, the stock, you watch the ticker, okay, Micron, probably not that great a quarter. Apple, probably a good quarter. Dish, that's your world. I don't particularly care for Dish, but you could probably craft a positive scenario. I don't have one. I can go over the tape, and I am stuck, stuck, stuck. And I could say, well, listen, gold's up, so I should be frightened. Gold's been a false tale how many times in the last decade? It has been. Um, you know what? Let's get to uh, Rick Santelli, of course, uh, who's got a lot of history in terms of uh, following that bond market. Rick, that move that we saw this morning, let's call it 8 to 9 o'clock or 8 to 8.30 in yields. I mean, anything, you seen anything quite like that? You know, I, my opinion is if you watch the market yesterday before our time zone hit, the yield was around 167, but we really never saw that. Today, around the same time, actually, the yield was below that after a spat of unexpected global issues, whether it was some of the weak data in Germany, New Zealand lowering 50 basis points. Listen, anybody ever go watch a Little League game? You know how many wild pitches there are? You need that backstop. Listen, I don't mean to blame the Fed, but I'm going in part to blame the Fed. They took away the backstop. And we all should not be shocked that all the balls are now going behind what used to be a stopper. By just a quarter point, for no real reason, maybe they're nervous about the globe, they made the globe more nervous. They created a self-spiral on the credit side because if U.S. blinked, if U.S. is buying into this, they all needed to. New Zealand goes bigger. Now everybody's trying to race from central bank standpoint. Think about this. I remember standing in the pits in 87. It was stocks that caused bonds to rally. This time, the Treasury's rallying, causing stocks to fall. Think about it, a completely different dynamic. And granted, there could be an explosion or a smoldering institution out there that we're not aware of yet. Uh, There could be a huge margin call, which is highly likely in addition to everything else. But let's look at some charts. And I'm going to start with a 30-year bond. You realize right now we're five basis points away from the all-time low yield in a 30-year bond, which was around 210 in July of 2016. Okay, you see it on that chart. Now, let's look at a 10-year. 
10 years, but they had a double bottom just above 135, July 12, July 16. We're getting closer. I sent the company-wide email. The minute you closed under 195, it was a lights-out technical look to it, and you see how 30 basis points evaporated. Is it unique to us? No, and this is the heart of the issue. Look at a 20-year Boone's. Almost minus 60, never a lower yield. Look at a 20-year French, never a lower yield. Look at a 20-year gilt, never a lower yield. The problem is that the credit markets and the printing presses and the central banks trying to jump ahead of each other has created this dynamic of risk off. And right now, everyone is piling into treasuries. Granted, there's some recent shorts that are panicking. But for the most part, this is a central banking issue with feedback loops into equities. And it's exaggerating the slowing markets. It's exaggerating yield curves. You know, Jay Powell should have came out and said, I'm not playing this game. I don't care how much the curve inverts. We're the backstop and we're going to stay pat. David, Jim, back to you. Now, Rick, what breaks the cycle then? What's going to break it? Uh, good question. Most likely we're going to hit historic low yields. Things are going to regroup a bit. But the problem is that every episode like this creates more negative rates. For you options traders out there, you know, if it wasn't for the U.S. and several other economies, what do you plug in your black shoals to calculate your options? You know, it's called risk-free interest rate. Try to put a minus number in there. Try to put a negative number when you're clearing cash government securities. Try to do all of these things, and you'll see how absurd this is all getting. But in the end, the catalyst obviously was the president. Listen, I love some of his policies, but Larry Kudlow, Steve, Art Laffer, put him in a room. Tell him to quit talking about markets. It's obviously way, way, way above his pay grade. All right, Rick, we're going to be coming back to you a lot here as we watch the Dow hit new lows on the session, of course, and the tenure as Rick was speaking, 1611. Although I don't think you're going to be able to get the numbers you want when you go and refinance because the mortgage bond market hasn't backed up quite as much. No, it hasn't yet. yet. I mean, it is interesting to see that all the bank stocks did. Yeah. And Uh, I think there's some opportunity there. We did get some comments from the president. Of course, we got tweets earlier uh, right around the 9 o'clock. Let's call it 8.50 a.m. mark on the Fed. But we've got more on China as well. Let's get to Eamon Jabbers in D.C. who can fill us in on all that. Eamon. Yeah, David, that's right. The president just left the White House on his way to Dayton, Ohio. I had the chance on the South Lawn to ask him if he's monitoring the stock market reaction to this China news that we're seeing today. Here's what he said. No, I don't think my rhetoric has at all. I think my rhetoric is a very, uh, it brings people together. Our country is doing incredibly well. Uh, China is not doing well. If you look at the trade situation, uh, China just admitted yesterday that they've been... And that's obviously not the right sound, but I asked the president about his, whether he's monitoring the stock market reaction here. He said the market reaction was anticipated. That is, that he expected this kind of fallout. But the president also said that the Chinese are eager to get a deal with him. He thinks that the United States is in great position economically. And the president's comments today on the South Lawn sort of bear out what people around him have been telling me for months now, which is that this is a president who is willing to absorb some significant stock market pain in order to achieve his objectives of reshaping the U.S.-China business relationship. That's his fundamental goal here. And so short-term movements on the Dow are not necessarily going to rattle this White House as much as they would on other issues, because this one the president sees is absolutely core to his, his promise to his constituents and his, his legacy as president of the United States, guys. 
Uh, Eamon, thank you. Uh, Eamon Javers, of course, uh, from the White House. While Eamon was speaking, I believe we hit 1.60 on the 10-year yield. Uh, I mean, Jim, we were 2.07 right prior to the Fed cut, which was, what, a week ago? Yeah. Uh, We were 150 basis points higher two days ago. Well, look, there's flight. It's obviously flight. But, David, you talk to me endlessly, and you've got to talk to people about this. There really is only not one game in town, equities. There's one game in world, U.S. Treasuries. Liquid, yielding better, safer. Now, you could say, listen, we are taking down too much debt. There are issues involving, uh, let's just say, well, global, global tension. What's fascinating, Jim, is that for a long time, back when this, when, when, when interest rates fell dramatically, you had a chorus of people saying more debt is no way to solve a debt problem, and that eventually we would reach some sort of Keynesian endpoint where rates went skyrocketing. That's what I've been. And instead, for. Right. we've done the exact opposite. Well, that's what's confusing people. We have this global glut of capital somehow that's creating these negative right. rates where you have people in Germany who are happy to give the government their money for 10 years and get 94 cents back on every dollar they lent them. Look, I mean, I, I uh, think that's irrational. What can I say? I think you can be more creative if you're in Germany. There are many, when I ran a bunch of trusts, there are many times they're, you're forgiven. You're not allowed it. You're forbidden to be able to buy in your cash, put it cash in other countries. You can't go buy U.S. Treasuries if right. you're running a, a German pension fund. I will say this. If you're a corporation right now and you can actually get access to the capital markets the way you want it and you can conceivably get investors to line up for your paper, why wouldn't you just issue as much possible fixed debt as you can? Because of Weimar. And then buy well, back all your is, stock, your cost of capital. And, I mean, right. Well, yes. I mean, that's what you should think. Apple should be out there. Why not retire all these shares where you're paying a 3% dividend? But Luca Meister, shouldn't you be over there and borrowing? Yes. I mean, Disney doing did a big uh, Japanese yen deal. It was pretty good. Yeah. It's worth yeah. buying. Uh, look, I, again, I need to see concrete evidence that employment is coming down. I need to hear from the D.R. Hortons that there's been a sudden decline. Uh, I need I need to hear from the oil companies that their balance sheets won't support situations. Actually, the opposite. The balance sheets have all gotten better. That's why they have no growth. Uh, oh. I need to see the VIX level off, and I need to, that people say, "Okay, look, I'm not going to panic if the if the ten year yields one to him." And there are just not enough people like that. There's nobody who has ice in their veins. I'll tell you that much. No, nobody. There are a lot of interesting moves in the people market. People are so frightened that are David. going on today. You know, I guess um, I, I'm not saying I've seen everything. Just, I'm not saying I've seen everything. I'm saying that higher interest rates are better than lower rates, and that I don't want to get too counterintuitive here. I mean, the president should be tweeting. You would not. I would. I would argue that given the unemployment rate of what 3.7 percent, 2 percent or more GDP growth, uh, some wage inflation, 1.6 percent on the 10 year is probably not something you would think that goes along with all that. No, but the the capital fund flow of funds, the ease of which you can buy U.S. Treasuries, is impacting that market. Plus, I thought that it was very interesting to see that uh, that Rick was talking about maybe a potential blow-up. Hedge funds who got it wrong. I know a lot of hedge funds who have been short treasuries. Yes. That's the wrong side of the trade. I'm sure some of those will We'll see bust. if there are any blow-ups out there. Jim, I want to change things up for a moment sure. here and just squeeze in a favor report, if I can, oh, on something my, you always ask me about. I was going to say, down friends, 2%, that's what we need. Our old friends at CBS and Viacom. Oh. Just an update from me here on, uh, of course, the deal we've been waiting for for, well, for years, for months, for weeks, that... Still hasn't come, but worth at least updating people because it does appear that uh, that we're getting very close. Uh, for the first time, at least uh, along the long negotiation where CBS's board in particular has taken so much time in terms of 
uh, going through every single particular of a potential deal. They are talking exchange ratio with Viacom. Uh, don't have you uh, the details specific on where they are. And in fact, they haven't nailed down an exchange ratio. I think it was 0.6235 last time, but they are getting closer. Uh, in fact, so close that people familiar with the situation tell me they would be surprised if they did not reach a deal within the next few days, most likely next week. You said week. August 8th, two weeks course, ago. Well, no, that was somebody else. But, uh, oh, of course, uh, I'll be on vacation next week, so inevitably it will happen while, really? I'm, while I'm away. But they Before are getting very close. Of course, the journal reporting on – we've been talking for, for months, the fact that Bob Backers, of course, Viacom's uh, CEO, would run the combined company. But the journal also adding that Joe Ionello, the current CEO of CBS, would have a significant role with the combined company as well. But the exchange ratio has been the key. And by the way, given the history between these companies, you can never say with absolute certainty that they're going to get it done. But there does seem to be a great confidence on both sides that given where the negotiations are right now and given everything else that has come prior to it, they are going to be able to nail that down uh, soon. Uh, and so we did want to share. By CBS right. and CBS. You can make that mistake. I once bought 50,000 CBS when I meant... My traders well, posted by CBS. Right, as you pointed right out, one of the great bright spots today, if you're long this market or certainly if you're a long CVS and have bought it recently, is the company, of course, known. We know it as a huge drugstore chain, but it's also owner of one of the largest insurers very, in the country with Aetna. Very clean uh, and uh, CVS shares are up almost 6%. Oh, it's very clean. Quite, really did a great job. Larry really delivered. Uh, David, this is a kind of a... No, no, Fear is fear itself, FDR moment, except for, can you remember that the banking system had collapsed then and we were in a remarkable deflationary spiral, which pretty much meant that we almost had a we had 27% right. uh, <laughs> unemployment, industrial production declined rapidly. Uh, when I look here, I don't see, uh, I, the fear is fear itself is much more about, this is what happens when you get globalization. Globalization allows for the ease of capital transfer. Yes, but globalization has brought many benefits as well. Oh, well, I'm just saying that you, uh, you're just, looking just at point out. you know 508. Going all, I mean, Walmart makes gets a lot of the stuff. I go to Walmart goes, a lot. You're going to Walmart, buy a three dollar shirt, really nice shirt for three bucks. What's the matter with that? Nothing. Right. Well, that's, that's globalization. David, you're either online or off price. That's what's working. And Walmart's online has been really fabulous. I don't know. I mean, it, other than Disney, I don't have a lot of things that I think should be down two percent right. today. Uh, Disney is Disney down almost six percent. That is pressuring the Dow. Uh, of course, I like to focus on the S and P. But Bob Bassani, the S and P now up about thirteen percent for this year. What else is moving this morning? Uh, well, we're generally down right across the board, but particularly banks are, are on the weak side here. Uh, we're off of the lows, but just barely. Just take a look at the sectors here. Uh, there's your banks. We showed them free open week. Uh, energy, you know, oil's down, what, 7% this month, just in the last four or five trading sessions. Industrials, semis, these are all the uh, uh, cyclical names. Gold, six-year high. I hope you heard what Jim was saying. Gold has uh, not been effective against anything long-term. Remember, it was a hedge against inflation. How'd that work out? We also saw, of course, now it's a hedge against uncertainty. So I agree with Jim's comments uh, on gold. In terms of what else is moving here, the banks there, there's your usual suspects. I just want to point out some of these numbers aren't going anywhere for years. Bank of America is, is, uh, is down here. J.P. Morgan's, what, 106? It was there in 2017. It was 106. So look at the KB, which is the bank ETFs. I keep pointing this out. We've had these problems for a year with the low yields hurting these. But this is going back uh, uh, to 2016, 2017 here. And you look here, we're essentially back where we were in late 2017 uh, in the KBE for all of these bank stocks. So why have things gotten so weird in August? Well, two things have happened. Number one, the Federal Reserve happened. And number two, 
More tariffs. So it's very simple here. We had the, the Fed uh, initiating a global easing cycle. Essentially, we saw that today with India and New Zealand lowering their rates. Uh, we had trade tensions hitting global growth. And then this is what I'm concerned with because I'm the stocks guy. Earnings projections. We've had a, a very, very difficult time with all of this going on. How do you determine a future stream of, of earnings, which is what the stock market is? It gets very, very difficult. So if you take a look, we've seen some big top-down, we call them top-down strategists, people who look at the very broad pictures here. Citigroup, Tobias Levkovich, the other day, lowered their 2019 and 2020 earnings estimates. They cited the trade war threats, potential currency devaluations. Last week, Goldman Sachs did essentially the same thing. They lowered their 2019 and 20. They expect negative, more negative revisions overall. So these are big top-down guys telling you, we're having trouble figuring out what's going on. Then you get what we call the bottoms-up guys. These are individual strategists. They look at the individual stocks. John Inch, very respected guy over at Gordon Haskett today, commenting on industrials, but particularly Parker Hanovan. Trade tensions worsening. The prospects for industrial company earnings and share prices at trough appear to be getting further pushed out. In other words, it's harder to figure out where exactly we are when, with the industrials that he in particular uh, deal with. There are also issues here that are psychological in nature. They have to do with things like we're not sure what we're doing, so we're going to spend less. So capital expenditures. We were in the double digits in 2018 in capital expenditures. It was a great year. But you see, every quarter now, capital expenditures are going lower. This is a sign, of, of, again, of psychology for the individual companies saying, eh, we're not quite sure what's going on. We could automatically adjust buybacks. We can adjust dividends really quickly. We can just move them around. But if we're putting a new plant in, that's a long-term prospect, and with that kind of uncertainty, we're not there. That's why this whole tariff thing is difficult. You can't say $300 billion, we're going to tax it at 10%, it's $30 billion. That's nothing. It's a different game. It's not that easy on the numbers. There are psychological knock-ons that we're getting. Finally, a little bit of good news here, and Jim made a point about this earlier. We're only at 23 on the VIX. Remember where we were back in January? We were well over. We were heading towards 40, and in February of last year, we were north of 50 at one point. So, yes, this this is elevated compared to where it has been in the last several months, but a, pan a true, true panic level, not yet. So there's a little bit of good news right now. We're well off of the lows. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.